This is Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of B of uh, I almost said BS Commentaries. It's not BS Commentaries. This is Seattle Sports Diaries. Uh, but uh, welcome to a new episode. I am your host Mike, and I got my co-host DJ here with me. And uh, we are getting set. Start off right away by introducing uh, a guest right away, uh, host of the Mark Cast podcast, Mr. Reed Johnson. He comes in here today. What's going on, Reed? Uh, it's good. How are you guys? Not too What's bad, man. On? Not too bad, man. Uh, f- first of all, DJ, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, good, good, good. So we got the we got some things to talk about. You know, first of all, uh, Seattle has a new football team. It's no longer the Seattle Dragons. It is the Seattle Sea Dragons. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, that name is it, it's somewhat okay, but at the same time, I'm just like, what were they thinking? But you know, and 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 the logo change, the logo change. I I, I wasn't happy about the logo change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we the names were leaked a couple of months ago on the XFL shop. So late one night, I came home from a One Republic concert, uh, pretty intoxicated, and I had a bunch of tweets. And I said, "Really? Like you got go on and go on the shop and all that stuff." And I went on, and basically they had. Um, the San Antonio Brahma's name had leaked and then the Orlando Guardians, but then they had the Seattle Sea Dragons. And I was in debates with a lot of people and I'm like, that is just the Sea Dragons, like Seattle Dragons. Like there's no way that they would have it be Seattle Sea Dragons, but lo and behold, it is the Seattle Sea Dragons and that is our new XFL franchise here. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, and, and fun fact about the Seattle Dragons, they played uh, their, uh, or excuse me, the Sea Dragons. I mean, I mean, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get to that name. But uh, they played, the, yeah, I see it right there in the background, my man. I see it right there in the background. Uh, they played their inaugural game one week after the Super Bowl, and then they hosted their inaugural game a day before my birthday in 2020. So that was kind of fun. I got to go to that game. It was so much fun. And uh, the, uh, the head coach, the new head coach and general manager of the Sea Dragons, Jim Haslett. Uh, they are keeping the colors uh, navy, green, and orange. I like that. But uh, there's definitely going to be a d- different type of roster than we saw. Um, I was already in discussion with one of the former Dragons uh, agents, uh, Ernesto Lakeo, as we all remember, he kicked for the Dragons. And they said that they will probably not bring back Ernesto Lakeo. And I'm not very happy about that because... Uh, you actually had Ernesto on your podcast just a little while ago. Uh, Ernesto is such, he's one of the best friends I had, or excuse me, have not had, he's not dead, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, it's so weird that, uh, we're, we're so close to the, to the draft. We're getting closer to the XFL draft. I think it's this upcoming week. Uh, November 16th will be the draft 16th, 17th in Vegas. So the quarterbacks will be assigned on the 15th and then. This none of this is officially announced, and then 
supposedly then the drafts will be on the 16th and 17th, at least the, the first draft, because a lot of the players that are going to be in the XFL this year are either still under contract uh, with the USFL through the end of the year or are on NFL, you know, practice squads and things. Come the end of December into January, they're going to have a supplemental draft, which for all intents and purposes could actually be the more exciting of the two, just because they'll have a lot more people at their disposal that they want to draft at that point. Getting your University of Washington. I was getting cold. <laughs> well, no, man. I I, I almost I, I saw that uh, DJ's got his UW gear, and I was just like, why the hell don't I have mine on? But I, this is definitely going to be coming in handy here in a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to be go, going out to Pullman, and I will probably f- absolutely freeze my ass off out there. But it'll be it'll be worth it. <laughs> but I mean, uh, DJ, dude. I mean, like, what's what's your take on all this, man? Because uh, like the Seattle Sea Dragons. I, I mean. I wish they just could have kept the original name, the Dragons, because it, it's it's so weird that we have a new team. I mean, we we had we already had another football team, but now we have the official new name, and now hopefully uh, this XFL is going to take off and it's going to, you know, really produce and it's going to be here for a long period of time. Hopefully, yeah. I, and now I'm going to have to buy more gear because I bought gear the first time around, and <laughs> so. Uh, now I'm going to have to buy some new stuff, but uh, what Mark said with the uh, taking some USFL players, I'm sorry, but the USFL, like I tried to watch a few games, but it was bad. Yeah, that, and I'm not that it's is all on the, all the players, but um, I, I hope that the XFL, because I felt the first go around with the XFL. If I remember back correctly, it, it was a lot better than what we saw from the USFL this year. And hopefully, you know, they they have something planned. They actually, you know, The Rock and his counterparts saw, or Dwayne Johnson and his counterparts saw how the USFL went. And they have a plan to ensure that the XFL is going to be better, put a better product out in the field than, than what the USFL did. Yeah. Um one uh so th- th- so we have uh two totally different teams uh a, cu- a couple different teams here in this xfl um so instead of the tampa bay vipers we have the vegas vipers um of course vegas had to get another damn team what a surprise what a freaking surprise um but the i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you i the the one team that i'm really glad that is still going to be part of the xfl that i that i'm truly happy for the for the fans of that city the St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm I'm beyond happy that the Battlehawks are staying in St. Louis because, uh, you know, that team was so much fun. That team was really fun to watch, and they had they had the first kickoff return for a touchdown in XFL history, I believe. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, that was also where uh, BJ Daniels got his first start as, or, or actually, he came. No, that was his first start as. Uh, a, a dragon and you know he almost led uh, the dragons to a to a remarkable comeback against them but no I'm actually very excited for the for this new XFL season because you know uh last last XFL was absolutely fun it was so much fun to go to it, I mean I feel like like this XFL is going to take over and become that minor league system for the NFL 
and it's going to be where guys who are under contract, you know, on a practice squad, they can go play in the offseason right there. They could probably sign a contract with the XFL team that they want to and go get that playing time, you know, get a little bit better, get more conditioning, uh, train a little bit more for the upcoming following uh, X, er, NFL season. But no, I love this. I, I, I love the fact that the XFL is being brought back. I was so happy that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was able to make this possible. And, you know, uh, again, just but I, I, I need to put this out because, Reed, I need this. I, I think this is the worst name of all. Uh, the San Antonio Braha, Brahmas, Brahmas, like is it just me, or does that sound like a softball football, a beer league team? Yeah, well, it's it's it'll be known as the San Antonio Dwayne Johnsons, and that's fine. I mean, that was kind of the joke. It's we get it. It's really weird, right? So Danny Garcia back in 2020 approached the original events, and everyone said, "I want to own the, the New York Guardians. I want to help be a part of that." And they're like, "Well, we're not really getting to that yet." And then obviously, COVID, everything. You know, derailed all that. So there is no surprise that the New York Guardians now have been relocated to Orlando, slightly changed the logo. We had a little neon green and now it's the Orlando Guardians. Same you know way. What? Real quickly, I hate to I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't interrupt you. But, uh, you know, I love that 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 Dwayne The Rock Johnson did everything that he could to keep the Guardians in New York. I, I really did. Because, you know, that's. One thing that I really love about Dwayne The Rock Johnson of how he is now the president of the XFL is that he is actually taking control of this this league. And I think he's going to do everything that he can to keep it uh, going for, you know, years and years. I, f- I feel like that Dwayne The Rock Johnson becoming the president of the XFL was the best thing that the XFL could have ever asked for. So Russ Brandon's the president of the XFL. He's in charge of that. Oh, okay. Dwayne is a co-owner along with Danny and they rubber capital. So the rock is a 30% owner in that and is more or less kind of the, the vocal front person for that. So yes, I mean, obviously the rock is involved, going to be a mainstay in that, but uh, day-to-day football operations and stuff like that is definitely not under the rocks purview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this is something that I'm also curious because, you know, DJ, this is something that I wanted to talk to you about. But, but you know, with, with Vegas now getting another team, they get they have another team. Um, earlier, I think it was this past week, I think it was this past week, uh, baseball also announced that the Oakland Athletics are possibly going to be getting moved to Vegas and so that's even another slap in the face with with Oakland and 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 Las Vegas is going to get another team. Las Vegas is now becoming the city of sports really. You know, it it's, has a hockey team, it has it, it's going to be getting a basket, it's going to be getting an NBA team here. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just getting every team possible that you could that you could ask for. Uh, the only thing, you know, they have the NFL there of course, but you know, now they have another football team in in, in the Vegas in the Vegas Vipers. And and Reed, uh, as you can remember, the, the Tampa Bay Vipers, I think, first of all, we need to agree, the Tampa Bay Vipers were horrible. They were the worst team in the XFL uh, in 2020. Uh, you know, we could we could probably make an argument that, you know, the Dragons who had who were one in four were a bad team. But I, I, I don't think that that's a good uh, statement to make because the Dragons were a good team. They just had to, they just had a really bad luck with their quarterback. But DJ, I mean, I mean, what's your take on all this about Vegas? You know, with again, because I was very surprised that Vegas did. Well, actually, I wasn't really surprised that Vegas got into the XFL team, but I was even more surprised that to, to hear about uh, Oakland is probably also going to be 
losing the athletics. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been chatter about Oakland leaving when uh, the Raiders did. And when you're pushing out uh, 3,000 and less fans a game, like that's sad. Like Oakland in the last couple of years have not been, I mean, their fans have been horrible. And, and even when they were winning, you know, two years ago, they weren't getting many fans. And and coming from that, like, I think it's good. I think that, I think, you know, Las Vegas is, I mean, there's still issues with, they don't know how to really be football fans. I mean, they're being loud during on offense and quiet on defense. <laughs> so, um, but no, I think it'll be good to see. I think it'll be good for the Oakland um, organization. You know, obviously they're in the same division we are, but um, it will be nice to, you know, hopefully that they get they can get a fan base that will actually you know come out and watch them uh, regardless i mean something that i've it's always bugged me is is people not showing up to games period with if, if their team isn't doing well and yeah. I, I you know it's hard when you gotta you know, spend the money to go see a poor team play but i come from you know if you're a fan you're a fan and you want to go out to a ball game or whatever but um i i think it's good um you know I'm, all I got to say is I hope the Sonics come back to Seattle before Vegas gets uh, yeah, <laughs> the expansion that, uh, team. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the NBA is going to give both Vegas and Seattle a team at the same time. But, you know, you know, Reed, this is something that I that I was very curious about. Again, you know, I'm, I'm looking down the, the, the sporting teams for Vegas. They have the Raiders. They have the Golden Knights. They have the Aces, which is the WNBA. Um they have the Las Vegas Aviators, a minor league AAA baseball team. They have the G League, uh, the uh, the, uh, the G League Ignite. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, there we go. They got like, the Las Vegas Royals, uh, the Vegas Ballers, uh, now the Vegas Vipers. Uh, they have the Henderson Silver Knights, which is an AA, AHL team. They have the Las Vegas Lights Lights FC, which is a US. LC soccer team. They have the Sin City Trojans, a women's football team. They have the Vegas uh, Nighthawks, which is also the uh, part of the IFL, and they have the Desert Dogs, which is now part of the you know the uh, the the Major League Lacrosse team. I mean, Vegas is Vegas is just growing when it comes to sports, and but you know the the it's listed right here that there is a to be determined uh, spot for the Vegas Vipers to play at. I mean. One would think, one would think that the Raiders' home there in Vegas would be where they're going to play. Um, I don't know any other spot that that you could, you know, really play a, a foot, you know, an indoor foot or a, put a football team in besides that uh, Alliance Stadium. Uh, so the, it's actually a major issue right now. That was actually so we post our episodes on Friday, and that was actually our. A big lead story today was Vegas does not have anywhere to play. As you said, seven of eight uh, cities have had their venues announced. Uh, Seattle started their season ticket deposits this morning. You could, I picked my season tickets if you were part of the early, you know, adopt or whatever. So uh, they're rolling that out in DC and Orlando. You know, these cities are able to do that. 
Vegas doesn't have a venue. Uh, I had Alan Snell on our show who runs one of these sports business pages down there. Uh, the, the vibe that we got, A, number one, is Vegas sports writers don't really care about the XFL at all unless they can get an interview with The Rock. Really not a lot of mainstream attention has been gotten there this week. Uh, number two, they don't have anywhere to play. The Allegiant negotiations are not going well. Uh, a lot of people have thought that they would go play at Sam Boyd Stadium, which was the former home of UNLV. That uh, venue has been closed. Uh, the current sites right now are on Cashman Field, which is a, uh, a soccer field at um, retrofitted baseball field uh, into a soccer stadium that holds about 10,000 people. And that's uh, that's kind of where they have their views uh, set right now. But no one really knows where the Vegas Vipers will be playing. Yeah, it's it really is where I want. I'm trying to I want to kind of put it down a, uh, a a deposit on the on the on the tickets for the for the uh for the Sea Dragons, but I'm I, I I'm curious. Are they going to be playing? Are our teams going to be playing on Saturdays like they like they were originally? Or are they going to be playing on Sundays? Uh, they have not announced a TV schedule. I just uh, presumably it'll be Saturday, Sunday doubleheaders like before. We have eight teams, okay. ten you know ten week seasons, five home, five away. Uh, they'll you know presumably announce that here in a little bit. The, the whole timing and order of events has been slightly off. I think we were going to get team logos and names a few weeks ago and Hurricane Ian kind of pushed all that. So we're a very condensed timeline right now with the draft still not being announced for November 16th either. Yeah. Well, I mean, coming up in this season, of course. So uh, again, so we have uh, we have eight teams in the XFL, um, you know, four in each division basically but so that's going to be very interesting and uh, the what is it the top four teams are going to be the ones who uh get into the playoffs right so it's so it's going to be a four team uh playoff scheme uh, I think the I, I feel like it's going to mirror the USFL. I think that they did the number one seed and each got in, and then they had two and three play. I think is what they did. Don't quote me on that, but I, I feel like it's a similar. I, they haven't announced it, but I would imagine first place gets a buy, two and three play, and then they go in that way. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't uh, question that one. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I would mind at all if they did. Uh, the USFL rules, but yeah, but what DJ was saying though, DJ, I mean, you actually, you absolutely made a really good point. I tried to actually watch the USFL football games. I could not watch those. I, I couldn't watch it. Um, I've even had like kind of like uh, mini debates with Reed here about the USFL because I, I, I feel like that the USFL is probably going to fold here within, here within the next couple of years if the XFL is going to be taking off because, you know, you, you you watch the USFL and you you see that there's nobody in those stands. And again, it's nothing against the players. It has nothing to do with the players. It's the fans are not wanting to go, you know, to watch football in the springtime for some reason. They don't really want to go watch football at that point. And I don't and I don't think the that the TV ratings was really good for the USFL. I don't think that they were really that great. Um but I mean, Reed, I mean, I'm curious, like th this is something that I wanted to ask you about the USFL, because, you know, it's I feel like it's going to be a battle between the USFL and the XFL now here within the next couple of years. But I feel like that the XFL is going to just absolutely destroy the USFL. And I feel like and like I said, I feel like here in about two, two, three years, maybe I feel like the USFL, it's officially going to fold. The, it's so it's two kind of completely different business models, right? So Fox owns the USFL outright, right? You know, so they control the broadcast. Uh, NBC pays the license, you know, part of the games, and they figure out the schedule. Fox 
really is using the USFL as cheap uh, content filling for spring TV, right? And that's fine. Like, it's totally fine. That is their business model. They ran everything out of Birmingham last year, kept costs considerably down, actually made money the way that they worked the books because they repurposed a lot of the Fox Sports, like social media people, and they're doing the USFL stuff, and they're reusing the crews and all that. It's very, very cheap, and it's a way that would we rather rebroadcast some you know, home movie at, you know, 4 PM, whatever on a Saturday, or could we have, you know, new quality content that we can help promote? Uh, it worked for them. Their ratings were competitive all year, even against baseball, even against MLS, even against hockey in terms of even when they were in the Stanley, uh, the playoffs and stuff, it was very competitive the whole way through. Uh, XFL is spending a considerable amount of money out of the gate and it will be Everyone is very curious to see uh, the burn on that and how far uh, Redbird is kind of willing to fund this endeavor. The, the, the staff that the XFL has right now compared to what the USFL has, even after year one is complete, is like night and day in terms of the people they have under contract. Yeah. Uh, so DJ, here's a, here's something that I wanted to, to also discuss with you. So the, so we already have the head coaches. Uh, I'll, t- I'll talk with you here about this read here in a second. So we have the head coaches for all of these teams. Uh, the two guys that really stick out or the three guys that really stick out to me is, uh, of course, Vegas Vipers head coaches. Now, Rod Woodson, as we all know, former uh, safety Rod Woodson in the NFL. Uh, you have a uh, former uh, Super Bowl MVP, or I think former Super Bowl MVP, but, uh, uh, you know, multiple Super Bowl winner. Heinz Ward is going to be coaching uh, the uh, San Antonio Brahmas. And, and of course, Jim Hazlitt, uh, who we all know is a one of very, very great uh, a football player. Of course, uh, the uh, the two, he was uh, drafted in the second round in, two, in 1979, uh, went on to win NFL Rookie of the Year that or Defensive Rookie of the Year that year. But, you know, I mean, what is it about like do any of these coaches like stand out to you? Because, you know, you know, Hazlitt, I thought was a really good pick for Seattle. I thought it was a really good pick for Seattle. I, I was very curious to see if Heinz Ward or Rod Woodson would come to Seattle and coach. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and just like, you know, players are getting showcased out there. uh, When you have Rod Woodson and Heinz Ward, obviously former players and, you know, Hall of Famers. Is it a, it could be like a job interview, you know, how, how do they do, you know, managing a team and, and running a team like, you know, possibly that could lead into head coaching or, you know, offense coordinator or defense coordinator in in the NFL in the future. Um, so they they obviously have a, a lot on the line too. Um, doing that, it'll be interesting to see. Um, now I, I think we did. Obviously, Jim Hazlitt has the most experience. You know. Um, so I think that's good for the Sea Dragons. Make sure I say that correctly. <laughs> um, but it would be interesting to see. When, and I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, are we going to see see guys from the fan control league like Johnny Kinzel possibly try to play, or, or Josh Gordon who isn't playing right now? I would um, love to see Josh Gordon. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously, you know, after this year, and people have been you know, cut already from NFL rosters and um, obviously next year's draft, you know, people that don't get on team or on practice squad, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who can 
actually go out and play. You know, before this season, we could have, we, we probably thought Geno Smith would be playing with the XFL in a couple of years, but <laughs> no, he's actually doing pretty well. So oh, we'll see. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Reed, I, this is something that, uh, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, you know, right now, Seattle with the XFL have hired two very experienced uh, coaches like who have great ex uh, NFL um, you know experience uh, they hired Jim Zorn but as we all know Jim Zorn was definitely not the right pick for the Dragons in that last one because you know again he 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 kept he he chose the wrong quarterback that was the thing he was choosing the wrong quarterback and when Daniels should have been I I've talked to so many of the guys who played on that team and they were saying that Daniel they were absolutely shocked that Daniels did not win the starting quarterback position uh, over oh, what the hell was his name? Uh, what was his name? Brandon Silvers. Yeah, Brandon Silver. Yeah, I was I was I was really surprised that that Daniels lost that job that he did not because I feel like you know if Daniels would have been starting from the get go. I I feel like maybe maybe that record would have been tr- uh, kind of like turned over. Maybe the maybe the Dragons would have been like four and one, maybe three and two if if at best. But you know. Um, so the players who are getting drafted here for the XFL, have you heard anything about, you know, former dragons probably coming back to this, uh, to this team? Because, um, I was very, I was very interested to see if, um, you know, if, if BJ Daniels is going to probably make a comeback, uh, to the Seattle dragons, but, uh, you know, you, you, you know, a lot more on this. You, I think, I feel like you have a little bit more in-depth information than I do. Uh, yeah, so a few things. So the issue with Zorn was uh, Mike Riley, who's the OC, had to leave like right at the beginning of the season. His wife has like health issues. And so Zorn was kind of, I mean, it was obviously the BJ Daniels versus Brandon Silvers thing, but also uh, Zorn happened to be the offensive play caller, really kind of threw things for a loop. I think that was part of the issue too. And with the quarterbacks, there was a lot of politicking that within the XFL 2020 and I would imagine the same this time where you have some of these quarterbacks are assigned and are, you know, in 2020, they were uh, paid more at minimum 250,000. Some of them like Landry Jones got uh, substantially more than that to come into the renegades at the time. And so you have this thing of like, well, we're not going to start BJ Daniels. We're paying Brandon Silvers. Like Brandon Silvers is our guy. Uh, Brandon is part. We reported back in September and then the XFL uh, shared in October, a list of preliminary quarterbacks. They have working with Jordan Palmer, who is their director of quarterback development. I think it's his title, Jordan Palmer. You guys all know we're to like Josh uh, Allen and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Silvers is part of that. Brian Scott, who is one of the standouts in the USFL that got hurt, is part of that. Uh, you have Brian Willis. He played for the Bears for a hot second. Uh, Jandre Francois, who was in package of football, is part of that list. And there's more. So they're developing all that. BJ Daniels is, I believe, retired in coaching now, so I wouldn't imagine him coming back. And I also would not imagine Brandon Silvers being a starting quarterback i see him being a very um steady secondary on on a team whether it's seattle uh, he has a lot of ties to the houston franchise too with aj uh, smith down there so so what do you see for the for the dragons what do you see for the sea dragons in this draft like how how do you think that the sea dragons are going to dra- approach uh, the xfl draft and do you, do you have any ideas of like who they would probably target you know a quarterback, running back, and and uh, wide receiver and defensive wise. 
Yeah, so our OC this time is June Jones, who is obviously the head coach back uh, for the Houston Roughnecks back in 2020 with PJ Walker and all of that. Obviously, PJ is uh, killing it right now in the NFL. Even I give him the win last week, even though they had all the BS with the, <laughs> the helmet penalties and all that stuff. Uh, June Jones is the OC. We're going to be running air raid. Uh, I think Seattle is going to be an extremely exciting offense uh, with June kind of at the helm there. So if you liked the PJ Walker, uh, you know, running, passing, moving out of the podcast, all those things that you saw back in 2020. I think that's going to be a part of the XFL's philosophy, at least in Seattle. I think Seattle has a really stacked team. It's hard to bottom. Randy Mueller is our, uh, I think it's like the, the DPP. I can't remember what all the different titles they have, but he's the DPP, I think, for Seattle. And so all of that combined, I think, is going to be pretty exciting for the, the Sea Dragons. Definitely. Uh, last thing before we get you out of here. First of all, uh, Reed, thanks so much for uh, joining us uh, here uh, on Seattle Sports Stars. Hopefully, uh, when the uh, when the draft happens and when we finally have a full Seattle Dragons or C, damn it, I said it, I, C Dragons. It's going to take some time to get used to that. It really is going to take some time to get used to that. But um, as soon as we get the full Sea Dragons team and we get a full XFL team, we need to bring you back on here and we need to start previewing. Uh, you know, dragon, uh, sea dragons football, and hopefully, uh, you know, come February, we'll have you on here, you know, every week because I would love to do uh, previews with me and DJ because we, you know, this is this is going to be one hell of a fun football league to watch because again, when the XFL first began, it was so much fun. I was I was hooked after the first game. I was so happy, and uh, you know, I love that. I, but I love that the Sea Dragons are keeping those colors, the navy, green, and orange. Those are just absolute perfect colors. And need I also tell you that uh, the, the the original XFL is where the broccoli guy got his start. <laughs> I hate the broccoli guy. I hate. Oh, him. why is everybody hating like on Jim? Why everybody got to hate on him? Jim? I can't. I'm at hot, uh, cracking games. So I see him. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I pay too is, much to have broccoli guy standing next to me waving. That's so cruel. <laughs> that but anyway, paper cup guy. That I is the same him. guy. Oh, is oh, it the same yeah, guy? Yeah, because uh, hey, he dresses up. He dresses. He dresses up as a paper cup guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So going into so this draft, like I said, uh, you know, you 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 just explain exactly what the what the dragons want to draft, how they want to draft, and so. Uh, what is it? Do, can we actually expect the dragons, uh, depending on their draft? We'll, we'll talk about this as soon as the team is completely full, but do you expect that maybe the dragons can be, uh, the top team in the XFL in 2022 or 2023, excuse me. Uh, people are, are pretty high. I mean, I think you're going to have, you know, Bob Stoops coming back in Dallas, uh, running it that way. Uh, Becht is in St. Louis. And since the first time head coach, right? Anthony Becht uh, has been part of the XFL for a long time. I think he's a great cheerleader for the league. I don't know, you know, what does that translate to as a first year head coach, right? Kind of leading the locker room. Like I said, with, with, you got June, everyone. I don't have, I need to, I should have had the Seattle, the whole list up, but, um, the staff that Seattle has is, is is incredibly deep in terms of that, and I feel very confident. Like I said, with uh, Hazlitt and then June Jones, they're kind of leading the squad. I love it, man. I love it. All right, Reed. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us here tonight, man. Like I said, here as soon as the draft is over, let's have you back on here. Let's go over uh, all of our uh, all of our players preview, of course, the uh, 2023 Dragons. And again, uh, dude, let's go see Dragons. Yeah, uh, the 
Tickets for the general public go on sale November 17th. So like I said, they're kind of rolling out in the pre, like if you were part of the 2020 and if you put down season tickets or whatever, but uh, get in on that. And then the, like I said, season tickets, uh, tickets for the general public November 17th. So you can get in. We are literally front row 50 yard line. I think it's $3.95 per ticket for the whole season. So it's a pretty good. $3.99 for the whole season? Yeah, because it's five games. It's like 70. I think it's 75 a game. So, I mean, it's five home games, but it's... That's not sitting, bad. Yeah, we're literally like... Yeah, so it's it's good. It, uh, tickets start at 20 or $25, depending where your venue is. So, yeah. So, so here's another question, because I actually saw this. So, uh, for, do season tickets actually... Season ticket members actually get on-field access? Because I thought I saw that they said that they get on-field access. They were, they were trying to roll that out back in 2020. That was actually the game that got canceled before COVID and all of that. They have a whole list of perks. If you're basically, they split up the season tickets. So if you're like the top eight of 10 pricing, you're in like the gold membership and you get access to like the town halls and stuff. I imagine that's going to be rolled out with that. Like they did back in 2020. We were kind of, like I said, it was the next game before that all fell apart. Well, definitely, man. I will uh, try to go put a season ticket member uh, membership down. But um, here uh, this upcoming year, man, here in 2023, man, let's meet up at a Dragons game. Like I said, we'll uh, grab a beer together. Uh, you know, if you have an extra ticket, I'll take I'll buy that ticket off of you, man. I'll, but uh, yeah, let's uh, we're looking forward to a nice 2023 uh, for the Sea Dragons. It's going to be good. And like I said, even if you don't, you know, USFL. Yeah, there were reasons. There's reasons behind all this and why play and whatever. But basically, you have football now. Super Bowl ends. You're going to have football through the Fourth of July weekend. XFL, USFL overlap a little bit, so it is exciting. You know, whatever brand you like, I'm always accused of being like the anti USFL guy. But you do have high quality spring football the weekend after the Super Bowl all the way through. So it could it could be a worse world to live in right now. <laughs> Very true. All right, uh, Reed. Once again, thanks so much, man. And uh, we'll talk to you here in about a few weeks. All right, man. Thanks. Have a good night, man. Take care. There you go. Uh, Reed Johnson from the Marcast podcast. So DJ, uh, we got some things to talk about, man. We got a dude, man, the Seahawks. Wow. Um, offensive player of the month, rookie of the offensive rookie of the month, defensive rookie of the month. Wow. I mean, the Seahawks, is it just me or or is this team going to probably make a run? Yeah, I hope so. Like, so I, I got to be honest. To start the season, I was like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to get down if we lose a game. <laughs> but then the last couple weeks, now it's changing. Now I'm like expecting us to, to win uh, those winnable games. And and the, the whole vibe has just totally changed, you know, with how, how we've been playing. Ever since Pete Carroll came out and said, we're going to let just let the defense play and let the, the guys just run around and play. And, you know, uh, not necessarily take away the scheme that they were running or anything, but, you know, less like thinking about what do I got to do? What do I got to do here? Um, the defense has stepped up. You know, I'm just waiting for Gino to just fall on his face one of these games, and he hasn't. <laughs> and dude, it's so good to see. And to see um, K9, uh, you know, the way he runs. And, uh, dude, I'm, I'm loving it. And it's, just, it's crazy to see that, you know, they got Gino Smith 
uh, ranked like top five, you know, QB ratings right now, uh, leading the league in completion percentage and whatnot. Like who who would have thought? Who would have thought? And and we're um, top in the division right now. Yeah, number Nowhere. one in the division. I mean, I, like who the hell saw this? I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh, so reviewing this past game, twenty-seven to thirteen over the New York Giants. Uh, over the six and one Giants, might I add. Now the six and two Giants. Uh, Geno Smith, twenty-three for t- thirty-four, two hundred and twelve, twelve yards, two touchdowns, one to Tyler Lockett, one to DK Metcalf. And you know what? Th- this is something that I want to also bring up is is Geno Smith's leadership right now because you know uh, he tossed one up to to Tyler Lockett and he just he flat out dropped it. And now normally, normally. Like if if that would have been Russell Wilson, he's not going to trust Tyler Lockett. But all of us, but you know, he they go back to the sideline. You know, Geno Smith. You know, I don't know what he said, but he's you know like you know don't worry about that pass. You know, we got another pass coming. Don't worry about it, man. I'm going to throw you another one, and he, he throws an amazing, amazing pass to Tyler Lockett for the touchdown. And it's just like you know, I and I love how I, I feel like Geno Smith is just the captain of the ship. He really is the captain of this ship. I mean, he's he's basically the Barbosa of this ship, man. I mean, like, you know, we, you could call Russell Wilson the Jack Sparrow because he's that fucking goofy. But, yeah, I mean, Geno Smith all of a sudden has become the captain of this ship. And, you know, the the, the fact that the that the Seahawks are, 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 are first in the division going into this game against the Cardinals is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, also a uh, canine, you know, Kenneth Walker, 18 carries for 51 yards, including the touchdown. You know, he had a great day. You know, uh, there are some people say, oh, you know, he had a ba- he had a bad running day. He only averaged, you know, barely uh, three yards. But I got news for you. Saquon Barkley, he did worse. Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley did worse. I don't understand it. This defense is unbelievable. I mean, I was expecting I'm not even kidding you, DJ. I was expecting an eight and nine team. Now I'm expecting a possible 11 win team. I feel like the Seahawks could probably win 11 games this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, yeah, going back to the defense and uh, Saquon, you know, he was averaging just over five per per attempt, and we held him to under three. Like, and Nooso, what that signing in the offseason from oh the Chargers. God. Wow. That guy, he's a beast. He really uh, is. But can we also mention that, you know, uh, you know, the day before, of course, uh, Halloween, you know, Michael Jackson just went thriller on the New York Giants. I mean, he was an absolute monster. Michael Jackson, Ryan Neal, this secondary is unbelievable. I mean, I don't, you know, and, and can we, we need to give a huge shout out to Bruce Irvin. We need to give a gigantic shout out to Bruce Irvin because that man coming back to Seattle, playing the way he has, has fight, has earned a spot on the 53 man roster as he should. And I'm so, and so proud of uh, beyond so proud of, uh, of, of him because it was unbelievable to watch him play. He made that incredible play to hit to hit, of course, Daniel Jones, and then he knocks <laughs> knocks him into the Saquon Barkley to get the tackle for the loss. But I mean, that's just unbelievable, uh, you know. And 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 then, of course, uh, Will Disley, uh, special teams player of the week, forces two freaking fumbles 
I mean, everything is just clicking for this Seahawks team. And it's unbelievable to watch this team. And I'm so happy that we get to watch this team week in and week out. And I really don't want a bye week to happen because I don't want these guys to, to get off this run. But the way they're look, the way that they are playing, it's like the Mariners. They, you know, it's like what Julio said. They can play anybody. They have the confidence. They have so much confidence to go in and win games like that. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's just great to see like the the whole vibe of the team, and you definitely see a difference from last year with with Russell and, and whatnot. And um, yeah, Bruce Irvin, I think, and, you know, it's the game before he he missed two sacks that he probably could have had, and he was upset about that, and then. He's been playing well, and when we signed him, I was kind of like, "Oh, it's washed up," <laughs> but he looks rejuvenated, and he he's been playing well. Um, this game against the Cardinals again um, coming up, you know, um, obviously it was a pretty low scoring game last week, but um, you know, since we, I think they were the we beat them. They're the first win in our current win streak, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we beat them 19 to nine, but we've been definitely we've been playing better. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Woolen lines up against uh, D Hop, um, which we all know Kyler likes to. That'll to be that'll be D-hop interesting. That'll be interesting. Uh, you know, one stat I need to throw out here. This is the one stat that I need to throw out here is um, Michael Dixon. By the way, so the you know. I was expecting Michael Dixon to have at least between 45 and 55 punts at this point in the season. He has only punted the ball 27 times, including uh, once during the Chargers game. He was not. He, they basically said, okay, we feel sorry for you. Let's get you in the game, basically. That's exactly what they did. Gave him a mercy punt. But um, the loss to the Saints... And he didn't have a single punt actually against the Lions. He never punted the ball against the Lions. So, uh, you know, the uh, the Broncos, Falcons, and Chargers game, he, he punted up the ball a combined five times. And, you know, and I love it. I, I love the fact that, you know, Michael Dixon is not being used, but, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for him because he's, he's, he's missing out on some of this fun. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, seriously, but he's got, he's, he still has that big dick dicks. He has that big dick energy. Of course. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love what, what the fans were saying about that, like a uh, big Dixon energy or whatever it was. And it's, it's just like Michael Penix jr. You know, big Penix energy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, this upcoming game against the Cardinals is going to be, it's not going to be easy. I will say that, uh, you know, cause I went to, I went to EQC yesterday, put down a parlay bet. And as you know, my parlay bet was, was done after last night's game. Um, I, I picked the, I picked the Eagles 13 and a half. And of course they only won by 12. So there goes my bet. <laughs> but, yeah, um, this, the spread is, so they got the Cardinals the and the spread is, th- and, 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 and the Cardinals are favored. Yeah, the Cardinals are favored by two. Which I, I, I find really interesting, but I also I don't find one bit surprising because, you know, with Kyler Murray, you know, you definitely I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they're giving Geno Smith enough credit. I don't I don't like this this favoritism towards the Cardinals because I feel like that's not 
I, I don't think this game is going to come down to two points. I don't think it's going to come down to two points. I feel like maybe like the, that the Seahawks are going to definitely edge this game out by 10 because, you know, you're absolutely right when it comes to, uh, Willen and, and, and Hopkins, you know, that's going to be an interesting battle because we're going to see exactly how good Tariq Woolen really is. And he's going up against one of the most premier wide receivers in the NFL. Yep. Who, uh, Obviously, hasn't didn't leave, uh, lose a step being out for however many weeks he was out. But so with the spread for a home game, it's typically like automatically three points, right? Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying that we're slightly better, but they're getting two because or we're getting plus two because we're playing in Arizona. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it's, it's always interesting. It's always interesting when the Seahawks go down to Arizona because uh, one of the last NFL games that I went to uh, was actually the Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. That was the game that uh, uh, Earl Th- it was Earl Thomas's final game against with the Seahawks. But you know, I'm not gonna lie that crowd that crowd can get feisty. That crowd can definitely get feisty. But you definitely see the the Seahawks fans travel well. You you always you always hear the Seahawks fans in that stadium so well, um, mostly because there's a lot of Seahawks fans down there in Arizona. But you know they they, they travel well. You know when it when it came to the Chargers game, you could hear them Seahawks fans during that Chargers game, and it was so amazing to 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 actually just hear those fans actually be that loud during that that game. But you know, with the fact that they are in Arizona, yeah, I can definitely see them. I, I can see why they're favored by why the, uh, the the Cardinals are favored by two points because they are the home team. But you know, in this case, I just don't. I don't think that. I don't think that's a that's a good favor because I think that I I do believe that the Seahawks might actually win this game by between nine and ten points because I feel like Gino. I I I think Geno Smith is just the better quarterback right now, and he's and he's filled with confidence and he knows that he can go out there and win every game. And and it, and it's going to be funny to watch Kyrie Irving run away from those guys from that's not just that defensive line, but you know I feel like yeah I kind of feel like this is the game where the sack train is just going to get wide open and those guys are going to get through and just plant Kyrie uh, plant Murray down into that into that grass. It's going to be funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so last game we played them, we we bottled Murray up. For the most part, I mean, mm-hmm. he did not he did not get outside the pocket and, and run the ball much, and hopefully we can we can do that again. Um, it looks like Darrell uh, Taylor is out, you know, on defense, which we haven't seen we haven't seen the same guys we did last year. I don't know if it's playing time or what, but um, no, I, I I definitely think we, we this is a winnable game for us and. You know, I agree with you. We can buy a touchdown or more. Um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. You know what? I don't want to go back to this. To start, like my feeling like week to week now is so much different than the beginning of the season. Like I didn't even know how like I was going to feel about the season, <laughs> about watching games. And, uh, but I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. Can't wait for for Sunday. Uh, for me, out in uh, Eastern Time Zone, you know, it's I get to watch it at four o'clock, so I get to wait a little longer than, than you do. But uh, I'm excited. No, I think it, I think it's gonna be good. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, big talk though, of course, in the uh, NBA. Uh, this just came up. Uh, NBA has official or Nike has has suspended its relationship with Kyrie Irving. Uh, the company announced in a statement condemning any form of anti-Semitism. The suspension will go into effect immediately, and Nike will no longer launch the new Kyrie Eights. Um, you know, last night there was some interesting things that are happened that happened on Twitter. I think you saw that. Um, this is this is my take on all this. You know, normally we don't get into stuff like this, but this is something that I think that needs to be voiced. Um, hatred has no place in this world. Doesn't matter who the hatred is directed towards. Um, any kind of racism or discrimination towards somebody because of their religion or race is absolutely unacceptable. I applaud Nike. Um, I don't applaud the NBA because I don't think the suspension was uh, brutal enough to Kyrie Irving. I don't think Kyrie Irving should ever step, ever, ever get step on the court again i don't think so because you know i have jewish friends i stand up for them i i don't any that kind of behavior is unacceptable and i don't understand why all of a sudden nowadays people are coming out with this hatred for one another it's ridiculous um racism has no place in this world anti-semitism has no place in this world and hatred has no place in this world and i hope people are learning from this because this and and the, and the scary part the scary part of all this is if you look at these you look at the tweets you look at the tweets and they talk about Kyrie Irving and you see people out there supporting him you see people out there saying what did he do wrong and it's very disturbing to see a lot of these people reveal who they really are on Twitter because don't be showing because again KJ Wright last night I I'm not going to get into it with KJ Wright but he did uh, kind of step on his foot. He did step on himself last night, and and I and I'm hoping that KJ learns from this because I never, I don't ever want to lose any respect for KJ right because he gave so much to the Seahawks team. But this this kind of behavior, you know, over the past, I, I want to say, what is it? I, I want to say it's about six years. Like this, this this kind of behavior has been getting has been coming out more and more, and I don't understand why people don't learn from this. Um, again. I don't care what race you are or what religion you are. I respect you no matter what, and I will never discriminate against you. And that is something that I stand by. I do not discriminate against anyone. And and, yeah, and DJ and and again, DJ, I'm sorry to go on for the rant, but it, it had to be said. No, that's fine. No, I I totally agree with you. And uh, it looks like the Brooklyn Nets are. I mean, they put something out that they're basically they want a. Uh, an apology from Kyrie before or a, a, a different kind of apology uh, from Kyrie before they let him uh, play again and so we'll see what that looks like but 100% totally agree with you you know there's no place for that um, in in sports or, or really you know any, anywhere you know mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it's sad to see it's sad to to see that especially um and and it's such a big it it seems to be a, a bigger deal just because of you know obviously Kyrie and the him being an NBA superstar and the limelight um he is in um it's being you know pushed a little bit more um but we know it's happening amongst people you know every single day and that and that's what's 
know, real, really sad about it, you know, and we're not going to hear about, you know, every time um, that's happening, but yeah, no, uh, Mike, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And there's my dad chiming in here over on YouTube. I absolutely agree. He is a train wreck of a person. The same goes for uh, Kanye West. Um, it's, it's absolutely disgusting to see this kind of behavior from, from from these from these athletes and celebrities there's there's just no excuse for it there there really isn't and you know and it's the same you know i'm not i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be honest with you you know i've i have heard once this this was once and it was about four years ago at a minor league ball game and some dude was absolutely tearing i cannot remember who it was it was an african-american player and he was just like harassing him harassing him and i was just like okay he's just He's just, he's just, you know, like teasing him. He's taunting him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, boom, he said the word, the word. And I was just like, nope, I'm not, I'm not standing for that. I went right up to him and I just apps. I actually wasted a beer on him. I actually threw the, a full can of beer right into his face. And I was mad because, you know, it, first of all, did I get, did I actually get kicked, uh, got suspended for, from Tacoma from going to games for a few weeks? I did actually, I got suspended. I got, I did get suspended, but, uh, that fan got banned for life, but it's just like, you know, I don't care exactly. Like, I don't care if I get in trouble, I'm always going to stand up for people because it's it, that, that, that kind of behavior just doesn't, there's no excuse for it. And I don't understand how we, how us as a society can't seem to grasp that i don't understand how uh society can't keep cannot learn from everything that has been going on the past 10 years and it's and it this is something that i think also needs to be said you know to hell if you're a democrat to hell if you're a republican it doesn't matter who you are um we all are americans in this country we need to live together one another as peacefully as we can you know if someone has a racist attitude or any type or shows any little bit of racism towards anybody. You need to stand up for that. You need to, you need to speak up. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your best friend that you've known for 10 years, you stand up for it. You, you, you exit, you exile that person from your life, but you stand up for those who are being targeted uh, with racism because it's just, it's nothing to joke about. It's nothing that is, it's something that we, we, again, we do have to live with. I, I, I agree. And I hate the fact that we do have to, to live with it. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, we're, we're kind of getting off topic here, but it's just something that I, that it does need to be discussed, but it's just, it's so unacceptable to see this kind of behavior from, from star athletes. And, it, and it's just, I don't understand why these athletes all of a sudden are, or excuse me, why these celebrities and athletes are all of a sudden coming out with this hatred. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It might be the lime life getting to them and they're, and they're just, they're, they're inserting their foot right into their mouth. But other than that, it's just unacceptable to uh, see this type of behavior from both athlete and celebrities. Yep. Hmm. But let's go ahead and get on a little bit more positive. Now, I think it's time we start talking some positive because um, no K Hart today because uh, the uh, he just does not want to be talking about no ducks. He he doesn't want to be talking about the ducks, unfortunately, and I don't blame him. The ducks are an absolute train wreck. But 
Can we talk about the Seattle Kraken, who are third in the division in the Pacific Division? That is so fun. That is so yeah, fun to that. It's exciting. It's so exciting. And it's so know, exciting. And and the 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 Kraken are coming off four of the last five games in a win. The only time they lost was against the Canucks. I don't understand why the Canucks are sud are the team that we can't beat. We have not won one game against the Canucks. Um, but to to kind of like review the past couple weeks for the Kraken, let's go ahead and go back to uh, just this past t- uh, not this past Tuesday, but uh, uh, the f- uh, the previous Tuesday, uh, five to one win against the 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 Buffalo Sabres. This was an all out win by the Kraken, and it was it was so fun to watch because it was such a cohesive unit. Um, Daniel Sprong had three points. Vince Dunn had two points. Uh, Brandon Tanev had two points. Uh, you know, Matty Beniers, he had a, he had a, he had a goal in that one. Matty Beniers, can we, we need to talk about this. Matty Beniers is 19 freaking years old. He's going to lead this team to a Stanley cup. He, he really is a superstar. Stud. <laughs> I'm loving it. I got my Beniers jersey. It's, it's hopefully it ships out on the 15th. Uh, I got the retro reverse and I oh. like, as you know, I, last year I didn't buy a player Jersey. I didn't, I know I was, I want a Tannen and then I want a uh, Gord. And then, you know, it, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I didn't get the player. Jersey I, you know what? Year. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm actually glad that I did not get a player Jersey last year. I was really happy because I, I don't know. I didn't know who was going to be on this team. I didn't know who was going to be leaving the team. So I was really glad. I, I, I thought about Yanni Gord. I thought about getting Yanni Gord or Brandon Tanev. I was you're, I was right there with you. But this is something else that needs to be talked about. Like, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Batty Beniers. 22, 22 career games in the NHL. 18 points. 8 goals. 10 assists. Negative uh, 9 on the plus. On the plus minus. So that's really good to see. That is really good to see is, is a is a minus nine um and he's you know he really is the favorite right now for the calder cup and it, and it's so exciting that, that like think about this seattle has julio rodriguez they have kenneth walker the third they have maddie Beniers. i mean three incredible rookies right now you know, let's let's face it. You know, Julio Rodriguez is going to be a pro next year. Kenneth Walker is going to be a pro next year. And by the time uh, half the season goes by, you know, Matty Beniers is going to be a pro. But I mean, we we have three incredible faces of this of this city right now. Matty Beniers, Kenneth Walker, and Julio Rodriguez, all rookies. We can count them. And it's so incredible how Seattle is getting blessed by this by this incredible. Uh, you know, just these players are, are are coming in and just shining for these teams. And Matty Beniers has been so, he's just been so useful to this Kraken team. It doesn't even matter if he doesn't even score a goal. You know, you, you look at the last five games and, the, and these are the five games that we're going to talk about with Buffalo. He was on the ice for over 15 minutes, almost 16 minutes. That is something that I want to see more. I want to see Matty Beniers on the ice for at least 16 to 17 minutes a game. If not get him on the ice for 20 minutes. Um, this game, though, against the Canucks, this was, uh, <laughs> you know, th- this was this was kind of interesting to watch because this was just a back and forth game. But unfortunately, the Canucks got us in in the end. But it was it was so upsetting to watch. Uh, Matty Beniers is, uh, again with a goal in this one. Uh, Jordan Eberle and Jaden Swartz with two points. Uh, you know, you have Andre Burakovsky, who has been a great signing. 
that yeah. was a great signing by the by the Seattle Kraken. I cannot speak even more highly of Andre Burakovsky, but there's a video that I post that we post on Seattle Sports Diaries every time he scores a goal, and it's him at Top Golf. He's got a golf ball in his in his mouth, spits it out, and able to just hit it. That's that's. I don't know. I kind of wanted to get his jersey right then and there, but I still want to make a Matty Beneers jersey my first uh, player Kraken jersey. I might actually get the retro reverse. I don't know. But no, I mean, Andre Burakovsky has been just so valuable to the Kraken this year because, you know, let's go ahead and look at the the, the team stats real quickly because I, I love to bring this up. I love to bring this up. So if we're going to look at the points, if we're looking at points, you know, right now, James Swartz and Andre Burakovsky, 10 points each. Swartzy, uh, first of all, I love Jaden Swartz. He was such a great draft choice last year. Uh, Burakovsky, three goals, seven assists. Uh, Jaden Swartz, five for five uh, on goals and assists. And then, of course, Matty Beneers is right there with nine points with five goals and four assists. But, you know, you look down the you look down the list on goals scored for the Kraken, and you have Jaron McCann, Matty Beneers, and Jaden Swartz all tied with five goals. So that's really impressive to see because we, you know, again, this is something that I wanted to express even, I wanted to express this during the season is that we need more guys to spread the puck around and share the puck. And that's what they've been doing. And with the assists, you have Andre Burakovsky and Jordan Eberle with seven assists. That's something that, you know, I, I knew Andre Burakovsky was a goal scorer. I knew he was a goal scorer, but I also knew that he was very valuable when it came to passing the puck. And that's what he's been able to do. He's been able to pass that puck around onto the ice and he's been able to get it into the, into the spots where it needed to be. Yeah. And you know who else has been playing really well is, is geeky. Morgan. Yeah. Morgan uh, geeky. Morgan geeky. He's, he's been unbelievable these past couple games. Uh, I, uh, four goals. So he has five points this season of uh, four goals and one assist, but uh, the last three games, he has had at least one goal. He's on a three. He's on a three goal streak right now. So that's really good to see. Uh, this was a game though on Saturday that I was very happy to see the Seattle Kraken for the first time in franchise history got to the 500 mark against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the perfect. That's the perfect dose of medicine for me. Huge win. It was so sweet. It was so sweet that we did it against the Penguins. Uh, Jaden Swartz, Jordan Everly, and Morgan Geeky all with uh, with a goal in this. And if you look at the score sheet, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys with points. Eight guys in the points category. Uh, Jaden Swartz, of course, had two points in this one. Um, Brandon Tatum with a with a with a with an assist in this one. So I mean, th- but that was. Th- Another thing about that win for the Kraken is um, this is something that I need to talk about is Martin Jones. Martin Jones. Uh, I'm so happy that Philip Grubauer went on the injured list because, you know, I think I think you and I can actually talk about this. So Philip Grubauer was definitely not the goaltender that we got. He has not been the goaltender that we expected him to be. He is. uh he gives up the he gives up the goals too easily. And I really think that this injury was a blessing in disguise because you get you, you know the the Kraken right now have uh Martin Jones are who just came off his first career shutout, which is really good. But I mean 
I don't know, man. I, I I just feel like I feel like Martin Jones is that guy that the Kraken needed, that the Kraken needed to step up. And Martin Jones has been absolutely uh, dominant since he's been coming out. He's been giving up his fair share of goals, but he's been able to keep the Kraken in the games with those amazing saves of his. Yeah, I mean, when uh, we drafted uh, Gru, uh, I believe they, in 2021 he was. Uh, he was like runner up for best goalie, wasn't he? He was. He, he was, was a runner up for the best goalie in that in that season. And that he, we did not. That is not who we got. Mm-mm. We got and um, and a lot. And over the off season, you know, a lot of people talked about that he was going to get back to his old form, and and that's not what we've seen. Um, you know, Jones up front. His first game was rough. Um, but since then, you know, he definitely has been playing better. Um, and that's the thing about injuries, you know, it gives other guys, uh, shots and it was good to see him to get his, his shutout yesterday against the Minnesota wild. Um, and, uh, we'll see how we go from here. Yeah. I mean, this is again, so there's three guys that I want, or uh, again, two guys that I, I, I want to highlight here in a second, but. Uh, the win against the the Calgary Flames was a good win. Of course, Oliver Bjorkstrand with two assists in this game. Uh, Matty Beniers, of course, with a goal. Uh, Morgan Geeky and Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord finally getting onto the scoring sheet. That was a big thing to see. Um, Yanni Gord has definitely not been the player that we saw last year. Um, I, I want to say it's because he's really not getting enough ice time, but uh, yeah. Carson Susi and Daniel Sprung, of course, with uh, two a pair of goals in this one as well. So that was a good one. And again, Martin Jones kept us in that game. Martin Jones was a big reason why we stayed in that game. And then, of course, uh, the, the, this past win against the, the Minnesota Wild, I mean, Alexander Winberg with with two goals in this game. I mean, seriously, Winnie? I, I wasn't expecting Winnie to come up with a pair of goals in this one, but I, I was I was really happy that he did come up with a, with a few goals because, you know, it, it, it was a big part of that win. Um, of course, Morgan Geeky with, uh, with another goal, of course, and, and, and uh, Jamie Alexiak with another goal. But, you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand with, uh, with an assist and, of course, Andre Burakowski with, a, with an assist. And, and these are the two guys that I wanted to highlight real quick is, you know, these two guys have been so valuable for the Kraken this year. You know, Andre Burakowski, uh, big pickup by the, by, the, by the Kraken in the offseason. Uh, besides the Pittsburgh Penguin game, if he would have gotten an assist in the Pittsburgh Penguin game, he would have had a five-point game, five-point streak, which is really cool, or a five-game point streak. Excuse me. Yeah. And you know he's he's getting plenty of time on the ice. I mean, uh, the again the, against Vancouver, he was almost on the ice for for twenty minutes. He was uh, on the ice for seventeen minutes against Pittsburgh. But uh, with Buffalo, uh, Calgary, and Minnesota, he was uh, with Buffalo. He wasn't even on the ice for fifty minutes. But Calgary and Minnesota, he was on the ice for fifteen plus minutes. You know, there, there's, I've criticized Dave Haxtell a lot. I think you've, and I think you've criticized him too, <laughs> but you know, there's certain guys that, that really need to be on the ice, uh, you know, with that first line. And if it was me, if, if it was me, I'm being honest, I, I I'm putting Morgan geeky, uh, Andre Burakovsky as your as your defense guys and in for your front three you you need to have Burakovsky of course um, and uh, and and Maddie Beniers uh, definitely got to have Maddie Beniers on that first line but uh, I I also want to have Jaden Schwartz out there so I think those I think those five guys are your are your five best players to put out there for that first line but I'm 
Jones. I'm not happy with the fact that Matty Beneers is on the second line. That's something that really gets to me. Yeah, the first first game of the year, didn't he? Wasn't he on the first line? Yeah, Beneers was then... Beneers was on the starting was was there on the uh, yeah was was there in the starting rotation. So I don't understand why Hackstall took him out. And there's another thing that we need to talk about is Shane Wright. This is something that I needed to discuss with you is Shane Wright, because this is something that has absolutely been infuriating me about Dave Hackstall is that Shane Wright has been a healthy scratch, was a healthy scratch for four, was it four straight games? Mm-hmm. It was four straight games. He was a healthy scratch. And, you know, first of all, his last five games, his ice time has actually gotten better. Or no, wait, 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 wait. That's that, never mind. That was that was definitely not his ice time. That was not his ice time. That's the last Matty Beneers. Games, I think his ice time's gotten a little better. No, it, it was the Minnesota game that his ice time really improved. But this is something that really got me. So the, the the four games before he played against Minnesota, he had an ice time of six fifty, six thirty six, eight forty two, five fifty one. That 551 was not good. That was not good at all. But against Minnesota, he was on the ice for 13 minutes and 45 seconds. That's better. And I don't, again, you know, we can, we can attack Dave Hackstall all we want, but in hindsight, I don't, I hate Hackstall. I don't know what his problem is with Shane Wright, but from what I've been hearing, Shane Wright is putting in the time. Shane Wright is putting in the time at practice and, and, and he's always uh, trying to get better. He's trying to get into that starting rotation, but for some reason, Hackstall is leading him at, leaving him out of the lineup. I don't understand why this kid's hard work is not paying off. Now, from what I heard, if they want to send him down, he's going to be in OHL, in the OHL, I believe, but they don't want to do that to him. So what's the point of keeping this kid on the roster if you don't want to play him? That's the that's the thing that I want to want want to know. Yeah, I mean if we're if we're not going to play him, then go let him play with the OHL and have him. You know he he'll still be able to learn down there. You know, whatever they think he he's not ready for, you know at least he's going to be getting some PT time. Um, so no, yeah. I mean, you'd like to see him, you know, get a minimum of ten plus minutes per game, uh, and then hopefully that will increase as the season goes goes along. But the after we drafted him uh, in the first round, like the vibe that we all thought was he <laughs> he was going to be playing, and and we. We felt like we got a steal that, you know, he didn't go before our pick. Um, but, yeah, I, I want I want to see him. I mean, I even uh, thought about getting his jersey <laughs> after, he, after he was drafted. And, uh, no, at, you know, hopefully Haskell, I mean, his big issue last year that, I mean, everyone kept harping on him last year was – he'd be pulling the goalie with like five minutes left. Now, see, <laughs> dude, the first game that I ever went to, the first ever NHL game that I went to was the Ducks versus the Kraken. And the Kraken were down a goal with four, with 5.36 left to play. And for some dumbass reason, he pulled the goalie. 
I, I, I did not understand that one bit. So we lost the game seven to four, but I mean, it was just, no, my problem with Hackstall is this, is that I, he's, he's not putting together the right lines. Like I said, if, if, if I'm Hackstall, I'm putting Jane Schwartz, Andre Burakovsky. I'm putting uh, Morgan Geeky out there, and I'm putting, uh, of course, uh, did I did I mention Jane Schwartz? Yes, I did. Uh, but I'm putting Maddie Beniers out there on the first line. But so the, those four guys, I would want to put out there on the front line for for the Kraken because I just don't understand. Because you know, and, and, I mean, in my opinion, the fi- the top because let me go back and look at this real quickly. So I want to look at these stats again because I want to make sure I got this correctly. But you know, so in my opinion, it's it's Jaden Schwartz, Andre Barakowski, Matty Beniers, Jared McCann, and I want to say I want to say Bjorkstrand. You, you put Bjorkstrand out there, but. Or no, uh, Morgan Geeky out there. I want to put Morgan Geeky. Those are the five guys that I would love to see on the front line. But, you know, I also want to see more of Matty Beniers out there on the power play unit because I don't think he's out there on the power play unit enough because, you know, you know, let's let's bring this up. This is something that I want to also bring up. So with uh, Matty Beniers, his ice time, um, the lowest ice time that he's had this season was against the Pittsburgh Penguins where he only played a little over 50 minutes. Um, but the Buffalo game was also a 15 minute, uh, was also a 50 minute timeout on the ice. Every other game he's, he's put out 16 minutes out on the ice. I want to see Matty Beniers to be out there on the ice for at least between 18 and 20 minutes because you have a 19 year old who is an absolute stud you had him out on the ice. Um, the Anaheim game. This is a this is the game that I want to bring up. The Anaheim game. He had two points in that game, and he was out on the ice for almost twenty minutes. He was out on, out there on the front line. I think Matty Beniers really does belong out there on the fr- on the first line, and I don't understand what Hackstall's problem is. I don't understand why he's putting him on the second line. Now I get it. You maybe want to keep Beniers on the second line just as a precaution, so he doesn't get. Maybe so he doesn't get too worn out, but I don't know. I feel like Matty Beniers has earned his spot to be out there on the first line. Yeah, I was listening to a, another podcast, and I think they had um, Fitzhugh on there, who who obviously you know calls cracking games. And uh, one of the things he was talking about with Beniers and some of the biggest strides he's made since. Uh, I think the 10 games he played last year and coming into this season is um, how how much, you know, his cardio, how much his cardio has improved. Um, and before the season started, uh, when they were talking about it, um, that's kind of like what that's what he was saying was uh, that, you know he has he has the enough cardio to to be out there to between 18 and 20 minutes a game and uh you know i don't know if what haskell's gonna do but it'd be nice to see him uh get more time on the ice and because he makes things happen when he's on the ice he Um, does he really does um yeah, so I guess that's going to do it for uh, us talking Kraken. We got a couple more minutes until uh, Matt comes on here and we 
uh, start our preview of uh, the next World Cup team that we wanted to preview. We will be previewing France, the defending World Cup champion. And first of all, DJ, I'm excited. I cannot wait for the World Cup to start here in a few weeks. It's going to be so much freaking fun to watch uh, the USA actually finally play again. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring up to you, we haven't talked about the World Series. haven't talked about the World Series yet. Uh, Right now, the Astros lead three games to two. And I'm going to be honest, DJ. I think the series is over because I, here's the thing. Look, do I want the Phillies to win? I do. I want the Phillies to free. I don't want to see the Astros win it, but the Phillies are going into Houston in, in, a, in perhaps one of the most hostile territories in playoff baseball in postseason baseball. And you need to win two games. That's damn near impossible. That is just damn near impossible. And you know, I said Phillies in six. I said Phillies in six, but I even said that the World Series was not going to go past six games. So I think I, I do believe that the series is going to end tomorrow night. And I feel like that the Houston Astros are going to win the World Series. Now, getting on that, um, I'm going to be I'm going to say this. Congratulations to those fans, because now you actually have a World Series. In my opinion, the Astros have never won a World Series. You take that, you take that 2017 World Series off the books, but you know, I think it would actually be good for the Astros to finally win a World Series because they have been to the World Series uh since 2017. They've been to the World Series twice. And they've lost both to the to the Nationals and to the Braves. It, but it would be really nice to actually see that city finally win uh, a World Series without an asterisk because you know, look, as much as I hate to admit it, the Astros have proven that they can win without cheating. Well, Framber <laughs> Valdez. Oh no. <laughs> so I have a buddy that is a huge Astros fan. Mm-hmm. And when he pitched against us, I, I, and I, I sent a tweet out too. I said, why does he keep rubbing his wrist? Like rubbing his, his wrist after he pitches. And then it's the that sweat. Person, I, no, so after he pitched against the Philly, he was doing it again. And there's videos that came out showing him rubbing something off in his glove and then in his pants and on his shirt, his jersey. Did you see that? I did see it. I, I didn't think much of it. I like Well, if you're wiping off sweat on your jersey, it's a it's a light wipe. Yeah. He was digging in his jersey. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What it I don't is, know. I mean, I, I kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt for once. You, yeah, you do. And I think because you know, I'm not going to lie. Look, I have I have too many friends. I have way too many friends who are Astros fans. I really yeah. do. I have too many Astros and athletics fans. I'm being honest. But, you know, it, it would be really nice to actually see that city finally win a title that that people can actually say they didn't cheat. But this is the bad thing now. If they do win this title, they're still going to talk about Framber Valdez, about him rubbing up everything. And they're also going to talk about Martin Maldonado using that bat. But they're also going to talk about Alexa, Alexa, Aledmus Diaz leaning into that pitch. And I really wish that the Astros would stop doing that stuff because, you know, look, as much as I despise them, you got to give it up. They really are the better team. They, they've been the better team for a long time. They're still going to be a really good team for 
I don't know, maybe another two, three years, depending on how far they really start going down. And maybe, hopefully, that was Verlander's last start as an Astro. I hope to God it was because I really don't want to see Verlander in an Astros jersey anymore. I really don't. Yeah, for sure. So I, I actually, my one of my good friends, so I went to a Houston Astros versus Mariners game two years ago in Houston where we got no no hit. Oh, shit. No, is a combined no hitter. Uh, my buddy gave me he so he went to one of the uh, the uh, the ring ceremony. So he I have a rep, a replica Houston Astros <laughs> World, World Series ring lying, lying around here somewhere. Um, I think they take it tomorrow. Um, heading heading back to Houston and after you know we saw that how the Phillies fans were in Philly. I think it. I think it's going to be worse um, coming back to Houston now. Um, mm-hmm. After, especially after uh, they are uh, with not McCormick. Um, no, it was Chaz McCormick who made oh, that yeah. catch. Oh yeah. Um, First of all, I need to say this. Last night when I saw that, I thought JT Ramuto had it all, but the fact that that Chaz McCormick was able to chase it down. That was one hell of a catch. Yeah, what a catch! No, I I think they win. I mean, Framer Valdez has been on fire too in the postseason pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they take it tomorrow night. Um, I think they win it. I won't be watching it though because I'm going to be watching the Kraken game. But I may put <laughs> well, it on the iPad. Unfortunately, I won't be watching it either. I'll be on route. I got to work tomorrow, so I got to unfortunately work, but I'll definitely be listening to it, but I'll also be listening to the Kraken game. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to really suck to actually hear that the Astros are going to be world. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. If what the Phillies did in game five by doing a bullpen game, that's so fucking stupid. In my opinion, bullpen games are the worst thing in the world. The only time that you do a bullpen game is if you have a bullpen. The Phillies don't have a bullpen. Well, that was our fifth starter uh, you know, two years ago. <laughs> we would roll the bullpen out there yeah, every five games. We would games. always lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if somehow the Phillies can force game seven, I, I'm going to be honest. If if somehow they can force Game Seven, maybe the Phillies do take it. But I just I, I just don't see it. Tomorrow night, the Astros are going to win it. Um, all of America is going to cry because uh, 99.9% of Americans are against the Astros. So that 0.1% who are cheering for the Astros, they get to finally cheer that they re- get to have a real freaking title. But uh, that's going to do it for DJ and I. Uh, DJ man, I will talk to you next Friday, brother. And hopefully, we're talking about a six and three. Uh, Seahawks team and hopefully we have even more crack and talk to talk about but also next week man we're also going to get Roman's going to be back talking Huskies as well with me so uh, uh, DJ man uh, always a pleasure and I'll talk to you next week brother all right sounds good later we're gonna have to talk about Winker deleting all the Mariner stuff too (laughs) we'll get into that next week (laughs) all right all right talk to you man later man there you go, DJ, everybody. And now, as uh, everybody has been waiting for, let's bring in our uh, soccer analyst, Mark. Uh, what's going on, dude? Oh, man. Uh, not too much. You know, I'm 
I'm sitting here with like, um, what do I do? There's not enough soccer on TV right now, and I can't watch freaking MLS Cup playoffs because we're not in it, and like it's it's too painful. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Watch LAFC? No, that sucks. I don't, it, it it disturbs me deeply that they're even in the. We were the, usually the ones that block them, and now what they're gonna do? End up getting. Oh, well, all right. Let's change the subject. World Cup. Let's go. World Cup. Uh, today we are t- we are talking about the France international team, the defending soccer, the defending national team. Um, of course, the the men's who have two stars on their crest or whatever. Um, can't get over that, by the way. I can't get over that crest. It's it's a funny crest, but uh, yeah. So yeah, of course. Um, uh, first of all, I don't understand why the why the France had to play two qualifying Group D. Uh, FIFA World Cup games, but but I mean either way, um, France of course uh, playing as the defending title champions here in the World Cup, and uh, who are they playing? Uh, what group are they in, by the way? Oh, you're killing me! You would ask that question just as I'm pulling pulling this stuff up. Um, so France, you know, I'm actually interested to see what happens with them because um, they're they got some injuries that are starting to bug them a little bit. I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what happens. Group-wise, they are in Group D, um, which uh, should be one they can get out of. It's Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia. Denmark's a good squad, but Australia uh, had to play a qualifier to get in, and uh, Tunisia came out to the bottom end of uh, Asia. So, um, honestly, that's a, that's a you know France should even with the injuries have a have a you know rubber stamp on the group. You'd think uh, unless. Uh, uh, Denmark just pulls something off when they play them and, and wins out the rest. But uh, you should be looking at France top in their group, um, just with just with who they're playing and who's there. I think it's one of the easier groups for the top seed in the whole tournament. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking at the roster real quickly for this uh, for the of course for the France national team. I, I mean, of course, Caleb uh, uh, Mbappe. Of course, who else? Who else is going to lead this team? I mean, you have just. You and, and of course Antonio Griezmann, uh, Oliver Grade. I mean, you just have Giroud. a lot of really good. Giroud, it's French. Oh, Giroud. Giroud. Okay, my fault. My <laughs> the D is silent. Yes. I don't speak. I don't speak. You don't speak frog. French. I, I get it. You don't speak frog. <laughs> I like it. Um, no. Had, the, so you you, you miss you miss one of their biggest strikers there too, in Kareem Benzema. Oh, um, I almost I I did I did actually yeah. miss uh, Kareem. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean. You're you're absolutely right though, but with these, uh, the injuries are definitely piling up on them. But I mean, you know, this uh, this group stage for France, you're absolutely right. I think this this should be kind of like a cakewalk for France. I feel like France pulls out maybe a, a possible, you know, three and one, po- three and one and o- or three zero oh and one uh, record here in the group stage. I mean, I feel like maybe Australia would be the one that probably gives them the most grief. Uh, I mean, I, I, again, but I, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe Denmark is the one that probably might I, give them. The I would say, I would say Denmark. I mean, uh, Denmark's got a couple of really good players. Christian Eriksen, uh, of course, he's the one that uh, had the heart attack on the field and has made just an amazing comeback. He's yeah, you know, he's playing really well in the prem now. But um, uh, really, uh, Denmark's the one. If, if they're going to get trouble in the group, it's going to come from them. Uh, Australia and Tunisia. I, I just, I don't see them getting out of the group stage and, and really providing competition well enough to either Denmark or France if, if 
you know, like I said, France should should be a cakewalk. And really, if, if they can hang a couple, you know, a couple on Denmark, they probably will skate through the, the group stage. The challenge will be if the injuries pile up on them. And it looks like Paul Pogba uh, probably isn't going to be able to, to uh, uh, make at least the first part of the cup. Um, you know, if, if they don't if if they have any other major injuries, it's going to start being a challenge for them to be able to um, to do well, to go make a deep run, to sit, for instance, defend that title. It's not to say that they can't, it's just, it's gonna make it tougher. Um, uh, you know, uh, Pogba missing in the midfield would, would damage any team. I mean, he's one of the most influential midfielders in, in the world game. And uh, Nicola Conte is still a good player, but he's getting old and he's just not as quick to the ball as he used to be. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how, how this team holds up. Because uh, it, it's those injuries in the midfield, the aging legs in the midfield. Uh, can they get the ball to Mbappe to to make it matter? And that's that's the question. I I, I don't think they have that problem in the group stage, but you run up uh, against you know the the teams that they likely see coming out. You know they have an Argentina or a Mexico or Poland coming out of Group C that they got to play in the in the uh, round of 16. Uh, that might be a different ball game than uh, than just a you know hey. France is going to skate through. Those are teams that can shout their depth depending on place in their own group. Exactly. By the way, I'm, I need to make a clarification. So last week, I actually said that we were going to be commenting on 20 teams for the World Cup, and I forgot that we only do this podcast once a week. So yeah, uh, we're we're just gonna be we're yeah. we're gonna do we're gonna do as many teams as we can. Uh, so again, uh, November what is it 20th that the that the games begin. So we're so we'll, yes. So we'll be previewing two more teams. Uh, Mark here, ha- Mark here has the. Uh, damn it! There we go. <laughs> Mark here has the choice for the for the next two teams uh, that we'll preview for the World Cup. But I mean, but I mean, I like our first two picks, by the way, uh, for the USA and France, of course, because again, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the the injuries definitely cannot pile up on France because. Um, you know, the, the, this team can definitely make a good run to to repeat as World Cup champions, but it's definitely going to be difficult if if the injuries start piling up on them because you 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 cannot have uh, those injuries pile up on you because then you're going to be relying on your reserves who have probably not gotten as much playing time as they wanted to. But you know, you never know what you what you're going to get. And you know, it's it, might I. Might I crow f- quote Forrest Gump? You know, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I uh, So again, uh, previewing this group stage, uh, again, I see France definitely losing one game. And I do okay. just and I do see it losing to Denmark. I, so, but I okay. but I they're going to clear this group stage. They're going to win the group. Of course, they're going to move on to the round of 16. Um, what is what's what's your take on the, on that group stage? I mean, where do you see France actually ending up? Oh man. Um, so I think just to counter their depth, they really need to top the group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's not a question: are they going to get out of the group? It's a question: can they get out of the group as unscathed as possible and give themselves the easiest matchup? They really like. I, I'd say. Um, your fear with losing to Denmark is that Denmark's probably going to beat Australia and Tunisia as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So if France trips up um, and even gets a, a draw against Denmark, uh, they could end up second because both teams are going to score on Australia and Tunisia. Tunisia plays a, you know, a low block. Australia is kind of a little bit that doesn't play the, the defense the way that Tunisia does. They're, they're teams you can score on. 
right? So if if you end up with France and Denmark in a draw and goal differential is the difference that gives one the group over the other, France definitely has the more powerful offense. So you would think they top the group. If they lose to Denmark, they're going to end up second in that group because I don't see Australia and Tunisia with, unless it's just some crazy surprise, I don't see Australia and Tunisia beating either Denmark or France. They're both... Uh, better teams with higher rankings and so on and so forth. So um, the group really comes down to that France-Denmark matchup. And it comes down to, um, to who, who's healthiest coming out of that game and how they can go do what they need to do into into the round of 16. I I still see France winning the group. I'm not certain I'm not certain they lose. I, I'll give you maybe a draw with Denmark. But um, I, I think that, that they skate through this group. And the real question is, can they get to the semifinals can they get to the round of eight and can they avoid injuries particularly in the midfield uh where, where pog was already out to allow them to to move forward because uh, uh you know uh Mbappe was the hero you know that that uh got him where they needed to be in in russia but uh the unsung hero was conte and, and his legs are going so if you don't have the midfield to get the ball to, to Mbappe, it's not gonna they're not gonna repeat it's just that simple Exactly. And that was uh, my next thing that I was going to have here. Uh, by the way, uh, here in uh, what is it? We got uh, we got two weeks here. So uh, in the second in the next two weeks, uh, when Mark makes his last pick to preview for the World Cup, we'll also give our full uh, FIFA World Cup take and our possible champion. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, I I'm not going to lie. I you're absolutely right. Mbappe was definitely the the hero uh in Russia of course, but again, you know, you you did have those legs that are going uh with in the midfield there. So this is something that I see that France is going to struggle with. They are going to possibly struggle to get the ball to Mbappe if those legs are not healthy. So I I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. I say that um France is out in the round of 8. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go right there right then and there and say that France is done after the round of eight or excuse me after the round of sixteen they're gonna get into the round of eight but that's where that's where their World Cup journey comes to an end. I, I think um, that uh, it'll be presented as a huge surprise. Uh, I, I think that's a likely result when they start going up against uh, if they finish in second. <clears throat> Got to go up against the top group the top from Group C that's uh, likely Argentina. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I see them beating Argentina uh, if they don't get healthier than they are yeah. right now. Well, so. I just, I just don't want, I don't want Messi to win a World Cup in his last one. I'm sorry, I don't like him. <laughs> I'm I, sorry, I'm I, one of those guys. I, that, I'm one of those guys who's deep. a Messi hater. That hurts me deep. Um, yeah, it's well, I mean, uh, and to be fair, that's not a team I was going to pick to profile with Argentina. Um, <laughs> Thank God. You know, well, yeah, because it's it, like, I was like, I, one, it, it's, um, uh, if they've never learned how to play with Messi, right? Uh, Messi is what he is. He's, he's one of the best ever, you know, it's, it, you know, he's, he's in the conversation for the greatest of all time. I don't, I don't question that. Argentina's never catered to Messi style and mm -hmm. it frustrates Messi. You see it in multiple. Oh, oh yeah, he, definitely. He's pulled them alone to finals and they still can't, they still don't know how to build a team around him, get them to work together. Cause it just, it just hasn't ever happened. And, and uh, we're past the era in world soccer where one man can win a world cup. Um, exactly. 
you you've you've got to have the other pieces, and he's had pieces. They just haven't been able to work together. The strategies and the tactics just haven't worked. Um, in the end, um, <clears throat> in the end, uh, <clears throat> I don't see the champion coming out of either Group C or Group D. Um, and we'll leave that alone for for our predictions over the next couple weeks. Um, but uh, I I, I kind of want to do a, a, a crazy profile piece and and and. Okay, so here it is. So here is the question. So okay. next week, what team are we profiling? Okay, so how about so in reality, the profile is is Belgium. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, they're number two ranked in, in FIFA's rankings right now behind Brazil. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a tough group that's tougher than Group B, because we talked last week how a lot of people look at Group B as a group of death. I, I don't quite see it that way, but um, because it's got the highest overall uh, ranking and average ranking in the FIFA rankings. Is the exactly. Order, right. But the toughest games, I think, are Group F that Belgium is in. Yes, Belgium, I, you know what? Canada, I, Morocco and Croatia. Ex- I mean, come you're on. You're absolutely correct, and that was something that I was going to bring. I was, you know, I was actually, I was absolutely thinking on that. We are, we are of one mind for some reason, but that's, that's no, scary. I'm, that's honestly, I'm looking scary. at Group F. I'm looking at Group F, and that is just like one of the toughest groups I've I've seen in a long time. I've definitely seen it in a long time, um, but uh, but it's going to have to wait until next week. Yep. But. Um, by the way, I f- almost forgot. What are we? Dr- what is the potion that we are drinking tonight? Um, do you, do you want the honest answer? Because like we, we, you know, we're communicating during the week on um, on uh, you know when what time I need to jump on and what we're going to mm-hmm. talk about and that kind of thing. And and Mike, you know what I was doing tonight? Um, yes. The time and we lost a, a game we should have won. Like, uh, I, I coach soccer, uh, out here in Tennessee where I, where I moved to last year. And, um, we, we, we beat this team three to one, uh, last weekend. We're in a tournament this weekend, played the same team again, and we should have won five or six to nothing last weekend. We won three to one. We should have won tonight. We literally created like 20 chances in the second half and lost two to one. Oh, when they had three chances the entire game. Yikes. So I'm, I'm, I'm as a coach. Not entirely happy camper. It's a potion of sadness tonight. Tomorrow they gotta come out and and get it. So it's got nothing to do with world soccer or anything else that's going on. It's everything to do with Mark's the team. Mark coaches is just didn't get the job done tonight. So uh, you know, like like uh, like the fan group, you blame it on the coach, right? Uh, I know how Schmetz feels now. So um, yeah, definitely. Alrighty, so that is going to do it for me and Mark. Next week, we are going to be uh, profiling Belgium and, of course, that entire very hard group. So, Mark, I will bid you uh, adieu and have a wonderful night. Please do not drink too much of that potion of sadness. I'm not. i got to go coach him tomorrow. So, you know. Okay. You we'll, don't, we'll don't want to do it hungover? No, no, not at all. Not at all. All, all right, right, man. We'll have a good night. Week. Yep. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Seattle Sports Diaries. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do not forget that we are... Uh, we're we're so close to 500 subscribers. Please, please, please go subscribe to us. We we, we really want to get there. And also, by the way, from this little banner down there, we just put out a new episode of BS Commentary today. We, me and Aniga, we we commentated on 101 Dalmatians. Uh, it is now available on iTunes. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to BS Commentaries on YouTube. Follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And please, if you could 
uh, there's another banner coming up here, right there. Please subscribe to the Seattle Sports Diaries uh, account on YouTube and follow the account and follow the podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. It doesn't say Google on there; it should say Google. But uh, until next Friday, I am saying good night, good afternoon, and good morning wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. We always appreciate your support. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this channel. And please have a good night. <laughs>